Isis have crucified a man in Syria. They hit Christian especially. We don't know why. These are not unfamiliar images. We hear about violence against Christians in other parts of the world, especially countries like Iraq. And Jesus warned us that this would happen. If they persecuted me, he said, they will also persecute you. When the N gets painted on your house in Mosul, then you're marked. Uh, N stands for the word Nasara. It's the Arabic word meaning Nazarene. It's the way Christians are identified in the Quran. So ISIS was using this to mark the Christians, to drive them out of Mosul. They took over our town. They wrote none for Nasrani over my house and my store as a sign that we are Christians. And they told them, you know, now, you know, either you, you pay tax or either like you, you donate or like you give us like one of your daughters, like our girls for the jihad or you turn to Islam. The Islamic State or ISIS stormed into Iraq's second largest city, Mosul, last summer and took control. From there, it pushed into the neighboring villages and towns across this region, known as the Nineveh Plain. Okay, when the Christians were driven out, and this is tens of thousands of people, it's 100 degrees, they begin this journey with nothing but the clothes on their back. They've lost all their possessions, all their money, and they're walking. Thousands of them like, are everywhere. People were laying down in the streets. They were longing for, for a roof just to stay under it for food, you know, to eat and to water, to drink, because they had no money, nothing, nothing, nothing. There's no one caring what's happening. They kill people, they kidnap, they rape people, and no one cares. Our government don't care. They could have kept their future, their homes, all their possessions, but they chose to sacrifice them instead of denying Christ. So I would say, like, willingly, I'm staying here. I believe God has called me here to be in Iraq, and I believe at the same time, I am called to suffer with the Christ. You know, we experience here in this six months too many of God's promises. Like He's not letting us lost. He's not gonna let us be hungry or in need. God always opens doors, even if we do not see Him. He sends people our way and tells them we are in need. We left our homes having nothing and we lost everything. But we did not lose our faith in Christ Jesus. Did you consider sacrifice to be part of the deal when you decided to follow Jesus? Is this the life we signed up for? Paul said that he presented himself a living sacrifice for the sake of the gospel. 
Would they paint the N on your house, your apartment, your dorm room? Would you say, I am N? today we're really focused on this particular text, and this will be the content of, of all the message around this particular text. We'll introduce some others that relate to it. We're going to talk about this one little incident that took place and use it in our lives. It's found in Mark chapter 10, verse 32. It should be uh, up here as well as you can read it in your notes, as well as you can open your Bibles there. Would you stand in the honor of the reading of God's Word as we look at Mark chapter 10, verse 32 through 34? <clears throat> it's a story found in the Gospels where um, Jesus and his disciples are going to Jerusalem. And this tells us of a particular moment on that journey. And I think a lot of times we lose sight of maybe the significance of what's going on here because there's a difference between how Jesus sees his journey to Jerusalem and how the disciples see the journey to Jerusalem. The disciples are envisioning Jesus going to Jerusalem and all the people celebrating and accepting him as the Savior, the Messiah, the coming one who's going to be the, the one who's going to make all things right. And there's going to be this glorious kingdom. And, and they're arguing about things like who's going to be the greatest in this kingdom that's going, that Jesus is so popular, and there's going to be this a mass conversion perhaps, and that Israel's going to come and, and, and accept their king, and that then the world's going to accept, and, and they just see this reign, but Jesus sees it differently. And so here we are on this road, let me pick up the text, and they were on the road going up to Jerusalem. And Jesus was walking ahead of them, and they were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. Now why were they amazed, and why were they afraid? It's because of some things Jesus is saying now. Look at what goes on. And taking the twelve again, uh, and the reason he says again is because it happened before, he began to tell them what was to happen to him saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man, which is a common term found in the Old Testament, the Messiah, also the suffering servant, will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. Let's pray together. Father God, as we come and look at Jesus, and we see this moment where he is explaining to the disciples what's about to transpire, we can completely understand why they were amazed and afraid. Because it's very difficult to understand. 
And it's a very fearful thing to think about that, um, that Jesus would sacrifice his life. And Lord, those kind of things are scary to us. And so, Lord, I just pray that this morning that as you speak to us through your word and as you help us to, to see this in our mind and see this in our heart and hear the voice of Jesus and hear the intent of Jesus, that we would be amazed and that we would be afraid, but that like the disciples, we would continue to follow Jesus. And so, Lord, grant us that. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people say, would you be seated? What would you be willing to give up? What would you really willing to sacrifice? Well, you know, the truth is we often give something up in sacrifice, don't we? We often will risk things in our lives. Uh, for example, we will sometimes, by choosing, you know, we'll spend our money, we'll give up our money, right, for something we want. You know, we want to a particular truck or a car or a house or something, and we'll, we'll give that money. We'll sacrifice the money we have to have this thing. And, and we might potentially sacrifice, in a bad way, our family. Some people will put their career over their family and sacrifice their family for other things, which is not a good thing. Sometimes we'll sacrifice our possessions for other things, or maybe we give up our time. I mean... Some of us will uh, go to work this week, and, uh, and yet we might like our job, but at the same time, we probably wouldn't do the job if they didn't give us money in return, right? We, we, we'd sleep in. We'd do something else as, as a choice rather than, so we'll sacrifice the time, you know, for the money because we need the money. We need to, to pay for those things. So we often make sacrifices in our lives. Some people will even sacrifice their life for something they believe in. Uh, people, uh, first responders and police and people in the military who have to go and fight and put their lives on the line for things that they believe in. We will often make sacrifices. Now, our willingness to make a sacrifice is based on whether we perceive the, the objective or the outcome of this to be a positive thing. So I if we value whatever the outcome possibly is, now it might be a risk, we may not know the total outcome of this, but we would be willing, many of us, to give our lives, wouldn't we, for many things if we saw the outcome. For example, there's not probably a single parent in here who wouldn't give their life for their kids if they needed to. We would do that because we would see the value of that outcome. We would say that's, that's worthwhile. I, I'm willing to give my life. I'm willing to risk everything that I have. I would trade it all my kids, if I could do that. We are willing to take a risk, but that willingness to sacrifice is based on what we perceive is going to be the outcome of this. Is this worthy enough to give that sacrifice? Am I willing to give my life? Am I willing to do these things? I'm, I'm certainly not willing to sacrifice for nothing. Who would give their life? Who would be willing to sell their life or everything they have or their family out for nothing? We would only do that if we valued something more or enough that we would say it would be worth the sacrifice to give of this. Most everybody would make a sacrifice if they knew the outcome would be something big and important enough they'd do it. But here's the question. 
this kind of before us today. What would we sacrifice for Christ? What would we give of ourselves, of our family, of our time, of our dreams, of our goals for Christ? Because there are people today who are making that sacrifice. There are people in this world who've gotten up today and they will meet together to have church. And yet they know that by meeting with others and having a Bible study or doing worship could mean, could cost them their life. What if that was us? What if this morning we were gathered in this place and we realized that there had been a law declared in our land that it is illegal to gather and have worship services as Christians. In fact, it's illegal to be a Christian. In fact, if you're caught being a Christian, people can abuse you. They can mistreat you. They can do anything they want because you've been labeled as a Christian. There's no court that needs to go on here. Once labeled a Christian, you are now fair game people to take your stuff, to do whatever they want to do, including persecute you, including beat you, including take everything you've got, including taking your family. Would you risk it? Those are tough questions, aren't they? Tough questions for us to answer there are people who are doing this now. Now, our focus this morning begins with Christ himself, because I think this sets the whole thing up. Christ is on the way to Jerusalem, and he knows what the Father wants him to do. He knows that this is going to be a time of sacrifice, that he is going to go to Jerusalem, and that he is going to be rejected. Now, the disciples certainly are not thinking that way, but as they begin this journey at least three times recorded in scripture he stops, Jesus does, to tell them this is what's going to happen when we get to Jerusalem. And the Bible says here in Mark that they were both amazed and afraid. But yet Jesus is leading them right to Jerusalem. He just, he just keeps going. He just keeps going. And so what I want, to, want you to see is that the crucifixion, the dying of Jesus on the cross, was not an accident. It was not. It's not like Jesus went to Jerusalem thinking that it was going to be a great occasion. Now, it started that way, didn't it? Because they were, you know, it's Palm Sunday, and he's coming into the city, and they're laying palm branches and saying, Hosanna to the king, you know? And there, there's a big celebration as he enters, and there's this picture of success all over the place. But in Jesus, he knows that's not why he's here. And so Jesus is obedient to the Father. And he walks right into suffering. Because he knows it's going to take place when he gets to Jerusalem. There's no accident. He chose a life of suffering because he's going to obey God no matter what it meant to him personally, that he would go all the way to the cross 
So in your notes, choosing a life of sacrifice, I want to point out three things about this for us to consider this morning. Number one is that a life of sacrifice makes us both amazed and afraid. It makes us both amazed and afraid. This is what it did to the disciples. It says they were amazed. I'm sure part of their amazement was they don't understand the plan. You know, they're thinking, Jesus, you've had this ministry, uh, you've been successful, you love people, you've served people, you've, you've been miracles, people are following you, they're excited about you, we're just about to get to that moment where he comes in and they're, you know, the palm branches are waving and they're singing Hosanna and, 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 and you know, all that, this, and they're just seeing this big victory thing, and so they're thinking the plan is, that's a great plan. They'll, we'll put Jesus in as king, and people will, will follow him and serve him, and the world will just kind of we'll do this whole Messiah thing, and it'll work. But Jesus comes along and says, well, the plan's a little different. You see, if we're going to do this, I've got to follow the Father, and the Father wants me to suffer and die. Well, well Jesus, we don't really like the suffering plan. In fact, forbid that. You know, God forbid this would happen to you. They have these even conversations about it where they're just like, no, 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 that can't be. You can't be right, Jesus. This cannot be God's plan. That you would suffer like this. Can't be. So they're amazed. They're, they're in wonder. They just don't quite get this whole thing. Isn't there a better way to do this? Isn't there a better plan to save the world than to, than to suffer? God, it makes no sense. And they were afraid. Why were they afraid? They're wondering what's going to happen. And, and I know Jesus said, I, I know we catch this, we catch this. He said, in, in three days later, I'll rise again. But they don't catch that. And it's evident that they don't catch it because, one, they kind of had to be reminded later on that he even said that. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, he did say that. What did they focus on? He was going to die. That's what they were focusing on. He's going to die. That doesn't make sense. And if he dies and we're following him and we're going to Jerusalem with him, what's going to happen to us? It says they were afraid of what's going to take place. They were both amazed. We don't understand this. We don't get this. This is shocking. This is not how we thought it was going to turn out. This is not what we signed up for. And at the same time, they were afraid, thinking, Man, I don't know we go now and you know they did they were afraid they scattered when it all happened and and ran and most of them weren't even there when it when it, and they had to gather back and you know they were fearful even then they were so afraid what's going to take place but i'll say this for them they did follow him and kept going and went all the way into jerusalem with him but jesus had told them this all along wasn't it luke chapter 9 verse 23 and he said to all, his disciples and all those people around him, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now notice what he said. If you want to follow me, if you want to uh, be a part of what I'm doing, if you want to, you know, come after me, he says what you need to do is you need to deny yourself. And then he says, take up your cross. Now listen, the cross is not cute. It's not a symbol we just wear around our neck or tattoo on our body. It's an instrument of suffering and death. Hey, we, we haven't, other than maybe in a movie, can't even imagine what that would be like. But in their day and time, they'd seen it. They literally had walked by, and you know, I'm sure parents were getting their kids to take a wide berth, but they literally 
were public displays where people hung on a cross to die. And they knew what that looked like. And they knew what that meant. It was, it was no game. This was no joke. This wasn't cute. It was an instrument of suffering and death. And yet Jesus goes around and says, hey, if you want to come after me, you're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to pick up your cross. And you've got to come follow me. That's a hard sell. <laughs> you kidding me? I don't want a cross. I don't know what they thought all the time when he said that. I really don't understand what their thinking was because here we're about to go to Jerusalem and Jesus is basically saying it's going to happen. And they're like, oh! We didn't sign up for that. That's what you're talking about, Jesus. But yet all along he's been saying this. Look, if you're going to sign up and you're going to be a part of this, then you have to understand you've got to deny yourself. You've got to take up your cross. And you've got to come follow me. And this is serious this is not easy it's not hard now jesus called them to this kind of life of sacrifice he's basically saying if you're going to be a part of this you're joining me in this sacrifice now this is exactly what happened to the early church you look at the early church and you begin to study what goes on in the early church like for example uh they they saw the need for deacons in their church and so they elected a bunch of deacons and one of the deacons was named stephen and Stephen goes out, and he's, he's like not just a silent deacon. He goes out, and he's preaching Jesus everywhere, and people are getting saved. And so they, and, and then, you know, boy, they didn't want you preaching Jesus. They, you know, they didn't mind you being a Christian. They didn't care, but don't talk about Jesus. And they kept saying, don't talk about him, don't talk about him. But here's, here's Stephen. He's out talking about Jesus. And so they corral him up, they get in there, and they stone him. With Saul, the Apostle Paul, before he became a Christian, standing right there as they laid the, the coats right at his feet. And they stoned him. Now, that's pretty hard sell for deacons. You know, we're going to have deacon ordination here in a month or so. And um, how would you like to join the first church of Jerusalem to be a deacon? So what do they do to deacons? They stone them. You want to come join us? The early church began to experience huge persecution. Disciples, many of them were martyred. Uh, most of them were martyred. And then, of course, we read the early church, and as you go back into later on in the epistles and read through Acts, you're going to discover that the whole early church experience was an experience of persecution. I mean, they were being killed left and right. There was persecution everywhere. In fact, the whole book of Revelation we'll be getting into in a, about eight weeks or so. We'll start the book of Revelation. The whole book of Revelation is about that subject the early church knew what it was like to suffer. They understood that when you became a Christian, that you were signing on to something where you were taking a huge risk. It could mean your life. It could mean your family. It could mean those people you love could suffer with you. It was a hard choice. And yet, in that very environment, it seemed that the more they killed them, the more people came to faith. <laughs> in some ways, the early church was, was really birthed and nourished in blood. Because the more they tried to kill them and the more that they hurt them and the more they suffered, it seemed like the more the gospel just continued to go and people were getting saved. And we'll kind of wrap it up in that. But here's the deal. They were afraid. All over the world today, there are people who get up this morning 
and who are making decisions about what they will do today. Will I join with other believers to worship Christ and to worship God? Will I say something to others about Jesus because they know that they're not only risking their own life, they're risking the lives of everyone they love and care about. Those are tough choices. The Bible says 366 times, someone said. I haven't actually counted them, so I don't know. It's, it's around that. said that there are 366 times the Bible says fear not. <laughs> don't be afraid. The disciples were afraid. Fear is probably the number one reason that we won't do what God tells us to do. Sometimes we back off. And we live in a country where we're free to do it. You know, we can do whatever we want to. Nobody's threatening our lives. Nobody's telling us we can't meet here today. Nobody's marking symbols on our building and threatening to hurt us because we are here today. And yet some of us won't share our faith because we're intimidated just by what somebody would say or think. Fear many times can keep us from doing what God wants us to do. And fear is, I'm sure, something that they deal with each and every day. Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 20, remember the word that I said to you, Jesus said, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecute me, they will also persecute you. They will do this. If you serve, if you go about the business of God, you will receive some persecution. They will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. The symbol over here is the, if you didn't catch it earlier, is the, is the letter N, and it stands for Nazarene. And what they do is when they mark Christians, they will put that on their wall or whatever to tell, hey, these are Christians. And so that persecution, they're trying to build fear. They're trying to intimidate. They're trying to say, and, and it's, it means Nazarene, like, you know, the one from Nazareth, and the, the Nazarene, the, the, the Jesus. And so they're saying that. Now, the whole concept of the, you know, the martyr thing picked up on here was that we are that. This is who we are. We are in. We are these people who identify with Christ. And because uh, in, the old, in the New Testament, a lot of times they didn't call, we didn't call ourselves, for example, Christians. You know, we didn't do that. Uh, our enemies called us Christians. And so they began to call us Christians, and we said, all right, if you call us that, that's what we'll be. We are that. And nowadays, we just normally say we're Christians because of that. It's the same thing going on there. We are in. We are, we are exactly who you say we are. We follow the Nazarene. We are in. And we accept that. We accept that this is who we are. Yes, we are. It is a statement of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They're standing up and saying, we are, this is who we are. And we will continue to be that way. Number two, a life of sacrifice involves a great cost. Jesus was serious when he said, take up your cross. There is a, there is a certain level. He said, well, I have to, no, you don't have to do this, but we can follow Christ. And we can, we can be what God wants us to be, but there will be sacrifice involved. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Paul said, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. Why does he appeal? It's your option. By the mercies of God. You present your bodies as a what? Living sacrifice. Not a dead sacrifice, because sacrifices die. But Jesus isn't saying, go die. He's saying, I want you to live, but live dying. I want you to pick up that cross 
which is, represents suffering and pain and death. And I want you to carry it with you living, but every day carry it with you to know that if you're going to follow me, if you're going to obey me, if you're going to do the things that I've called you to do, you're going to embrace suffering as a part of this journey that you're on. That you would daily receive that and say that's part of it. And so he knows that. He knows that this is where he is going. Now, again, this is not something that's going to just win friends and influence people. You know, it's not a very positive message. I get that, but this is the message he gave. He says, you, if you come after me, you're going to be willing to suffer. You're going to take up this cross and go. You say, was Jesus afraid? I don't know. But I do know that he set his mind to do whatever God wanted him to do. I know he went to Jerusalem. I know when he got there, he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. And when he prays in this garden, he says, if there's any other way, any other way than what? To suffer and die. He prayed so hard, the Bible says, that he literally sweated blood out of him because he was so intense in this prayer. He prayed fervently. If there's any other way, but what did he say? But, yeah. But not my will, but yours be done. In other words, if this is what it takes, Father, for me to do what you called me to do, if this is what it takes, if I have to go through that suffering, if I have to endure the shame and the pain and the misery and even the death, I am going to trust you and do what you called me to do. So he goes, yes, it was a great cost to him. You see, how do we do this? How do we take up that cross and follow Christ? What we do, it's not that we run to death or run or, you know, it's not like we want to run out in the street and go, look, I'm a Christian, kill me. That's not it at all. It's the fact that Jesus leads the way and he does what the Father tells him to do. And he knows it's going to bring pain. He knows it will be suffering. And yet he goes anyway. So you have these Christians around the world who get up this morning and they have a choice. I can deny Christ. I could do something else. I could just stop going to church. I could stop praying. I could stop witnessing and I'll be okay. Or I can obey Christ and be willing to suffer if he asks me to suffer. That's what it means to be a living sacrifice. It means to embrace the fact that God wants me to obey Him. And if I obey Him, it may lead to sacrifice in my life. And if I do that, then He's going to honor that and use it for some purpose. But how often we can get distracted in our lives. The enemy tried to distract Jesus from this purpose early on. In fact, that's what the whole temptations are about. You do this, you do this, you do this. I'll do all these things for you. I'll, I'll make it happen. You can impress people. You can do these things. But in the heart of Jesus, he knew there are no shortcuts to do what God wants him to do. I just have to obey whatever he tells me to do. And I'm just going to be faithful to that. The more intently you and I try to follow Christ, the more the devil will try to distract us from that purpose, the more the enemy will come. The, the King James puts it this way. It says that Jesus set his face like flint 
In other words, he just set his face and said, I'm going to do what the Father called me to do, and nothing could distract him from that mission. He showed great courage. And there's two kinds of courage. One is, is it a momentary courage? We're like, in a moment, we have to make a choice. And sometimes we make good choices there. We show great courage. But what, what we see here is an enduring kind of courage. Because what Jesus did is he said, I'm going to do what God wants me to do no matter what. And he knows it's coming. He knows it's coming. But yet every day he gets up and he keeps moving forward. He keeps going. He's headed to Jerusalem. He's headed to go. He knows what the result of that's going to be. But every day he continues to move in that direction. So number three, a life of sacrifice brings new life. It brings new life. We began by saying, you know, we'll sacrifice, but we only sacrifice at times when we know that the outcome could be a good outcome. And that's what we're looking for. We want the good outcome of the sacrifice. That's what motivates us sometimes to make a great sacrifice. Now, I, I was watching, anybody been watching the Olympics? Anybody watching the Olympics? Uh, you know, I, don't, I watch it some, I don't watch it every night, but we kind of get it on in our house and we watch it. Have you ever noticed that um, they'll tell stories sometimes about some of the athletes and they'll feature them? And, and here's, here's the response that you, you can, when you see this, you realize that these people who go to the Olympics and compete for these medals, they have, gen, most of them have made great sacrifice to get there. I mean, you'll hear stories about even moms and dads who made great sacrifice so their kids had this opportunity to go. I mean, a lot of those athletes are pretty young, and, and so it's their parents who have who've made great. Now, here's what we don't do. You know, they win a gold medal. We don't go, oh, I feel sorry for them. For all the sacrifices they had to make. No, we don't do that. We, we kind of applaud them, don't we? We go, Wow. That was a lot of sacrifice for you to get there and to be able to compete for that gold medal. And we kind of honor that sacrifice because we realize that for whatever reason, in their heart and their mind, uh, that was a big dream and a big goal, and they sacrificed so that it could happen. And that way, that's honorable. That's, that's good. That's a good thing. And so we realize that everything in life, you know, these big events in life and big things, most of them come because of Consider that at this particular moment, we can gather here in this place with complete freedom to worship God, to study his word as Christians. Don't we have this because others have sacrificed? There have been many who sacrificed so that we could have this. Most of us could say, you know, that even some of the opportunities we have in life are because our parents made great sacrifices for us. Sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we, we don't even honor that. And we can be negligent of the fact that that happens. This, this, this building that we're in and this, this church that sits here for over 175 years, don't you think a lot of people sacrifice for it to be here? Sacrifice accomplishes great things. And we know that. And what God is saying to us is that if we will choose a life of sacrifice, and we are willing to do and pay the price for whatever God calls us to do, 
not not to run to be a martyr. We're not trying to be martyrs. We're not trying. To, those people are not trying to be martyrs. But if we'll do what God has called us to do, to be faithful to that, and even when it means it's going to cost us something, and we recognize the cost, we recognize the sacrifice that we are making, and yet we continue to go, and we like Jesus did, we just keep going to Jerusalem. What will God do with that sacrifice? For Jesus, he knew what it meant. He knew that after the suffering and after the death, after three days, he would rise again. And he knew what that meant. That meant that you and I, our sins could be forgiven. That meant that he would defeat death for all of us. Was it hard to go through? Absolutely. Was it suffering? Yes. But the end result would be new life for all of us. And Jesus is saying the same to us. Will you take up your cross and follow me? Will you go where I want you to go? Do what I want you to do. Will you be willing to even suffer for my sake? A, a guy named Lo Fu, interesting name because he's Chinese, and he was a Chinese Christian who felt the call of God to go reach the coolies. And who are the coolies? They were Chinese uh, slaves in South Africa who worked in the mines. And for whatever reason, God called him to go to these people. And so the only way he could do so was he sold himself into slavery for five years. And so he went and labored to tell these Chinese slaves about Jesus. He did not make it for five years. He died before the five years was over. But before he died, he had led 200 Chinese slaves to Christ. That's sacrifice. One of the biggest things that made an impact on me when I was a good bit younger, I was in my late 20s at the time, and I had just gone into ministry full-time, and I was uh, at a church in Florida, and we had a first foreign mission trip. And I'm pretty sure it was the first one that ever went on, although I'm not sure about that. Um, but we went on this trip to Guatemala, and we were in Guatemala City at the time. And we met with um, a lady, a young lady. She was in her late 20s at the time. And she had a ministry right on the edge of the Guatemala dump. In Guatemala City, they had this huge dump where all the refuse and everything, that the city's waste, all goes to this dump. It's huge. I mean, you, you can't even see the ends of it. It's just forever. And the, the, a lot of poor people there, and so a lot of poor people live around the dump. And what they do is they send their kids, they call them the dump kids, because they send their kids into the dump uh, to, to scavenge for, you know, any food items that, you know, maybe are not completely gone and, and any kind of things that they can pull out of there to sell of any value whatsoever. And so that's literally what they do is they, they send all their kids. And so you've got these little bitty three-year-olds and four I mean, you've got little tiny kids going around in the dump looking for things 
to survive for their family. Well, she was on a mission trip. And while she was there, God called her to help those kids in the dungeon. And so as a you know, mid-20-year-old, just finishing college, she moves down there, they gets a center, a, a little house, kind of double-story thing that she had, just right, is right a couple of houses away from the dump, or it's right there. And her ministry is to these children. And her, she does a couple different things. She feeds them in the morning and, and at lunch so that they have you know, some food because, generally speaking, they don't have a lot of that and they don't get those kind of meals. And she educates them just in the morning so that they could potentially get out of that life. And she tells them about Jesus. And she'd already been there for years. And I, I'll never forget the young people that I took um, some of them were just mesmerized by her because here's this young, beautiful lady who is living in Guatemala City just pouring her life into these kids. This is her family. This is what she does. And I remember one of, one of the kids, I don't know the exact wording they said, but they were basically saying to her, you know, but look at what you gave up. I mean, you, you know, are you going to get a husband? Are you going to get married? Are you going to have kids? Are you going to have the normal life? And she basically looked back and she said, I'd love to have all those things, but I'm following Jesus. I was struck. <laughs> because it's so easy for us to be apathetic. It's so easy for us to be in our comfort zone here in America. When all over the world, there are Christians suffering for the sake of Christ. Who would give their lives to follow Him, to serve Him, to make a difference in the world, to go wherever He calls them to go, to make any sacrifice for Him. I was humbled to see a land. A.W. Tozer said, Before the judgment seat of Christ, my service will be judged not by how much I have done, but by how much I could have done. In God's sight, my giving is measured not by how much I've given, but how much I have left after I made my gift. Not by size of my gift, but by how much of me there is in it. No man gives anything acceptable to God until he has at first given himself in love and sacrifice. Am I willing? do what God called me to do. God may not call us to do those kinds of things. It may not be that radical. It may not be like that. We have to do what God called us to do. But the question is, are we willing to suffer to do it? Am I willing to stay strong and do the things that God called me to do with everything that I've got willing to give and to suffer. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul said, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. So he's talking about these athletes like we were talking about the Olympics and saying, you know, you got to do all these things to, to run the race that God has set before you. And you got to control, be self-controlled because you got to stay on the course and do it. And then he says at the very end, they do it, here's why, to receive a perishable wreath. But we, an imperishable. So what if I sacrifice, and it means nothing. But what if I sacrifice, and it's for eternity. 
rather run the wrong way. Because yes, we're going to suffer. Yes, it's going to be hard. Yes, it's going to be difficult. Yes, God has called us to go forward in obedience even if it means to go to Jerusalem. But in the end, whatever suffering we have experienced, God will bring life from our suffering. You see, when it all comes down to the end of it, it's all about faith, isn't it? Do I really trust God? Because I know if I go to Jerusalem, I know it's going to happen. <laughs> I know they're going to kill me. I know it means the cross. But can I trust my Father? I know if I obey God, I'm going to have some persecution. I know if I do everything God tells me to do, then I'm, it's like going to Jerusalem. I'm going to go. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. There's going to be sacrifice. But do I trust God that he will use my sacrifice?